Thanks for downloading the 17th in our series of episodes of the C-Suite podcast that we're recording in partnership with the European PR agency Taito and their own Without Borders podcast where we are interviewing leaders of unicorn companies to find out about the key issues, pain points and challenges that startups face and how they can address them with a strategic approach to marketing and communications. My name is Russell Goldsmith and my co-host for this series of interviews is Taito's founder Brendan Craigie. And uh, today we are thrilled to be joined online from New York by Marianne. Gamid Devaria, a co-founder and co-CEO of Vtex, a company that provides fully integrated end-to-end omni-channel commerce platforms to major global brands. Vtex reached a unicorn status in September 2020 after it had raised $225 million in Series D funding, and that reached a $1.7 billion valuation. Welcome to the show, Mariano. Do you want to start by giving us a quick introduction to the business? Yeah, it's an honor to be here with you and all, all the production. Thanks for the invitation. Yes, uh, so Vitex is um, uh, originally a Brazilian company. We founded, Gerald and I, the other founder, so we were colleagues from uh, university. We made mechanic engineering together. As soon as we get out of the university, we have found, we create Vitex. And uh, Vitex was a software company for Brazilian industries so on the textile industry. That's where the name came, like Vitex for textile industry. After seven years, we in Brazil, um, it is not as you have in Europe or in the US that you have a, a kind of a financing uh, for these kind of high-risk uh, entrepreneurs. So we need to make ourselves fully bootstrapped, financing ourselves with some side business. And one of the side business that we did when we did really well was like a plenty of e-commerces. So anytime that we need money, we just open the door and we did another e-commerce project. Some of them become very famous in Brazil. And in 2007, we were approached by the Walmart organization asking us to develop a platform for them to Brazil. And it was a massive thing for us. Like we back there, we, we have nine people. This history of Walmart can be a book by itself. But after seven months on RFP, we won the RFP of Walmart. We deployed in one year the project. It was a, a big success. Then Vitex born to the world as one of the bunch of guys that could do amazing things with code. And um, a lot of other companies just follow Walmart by hiring Vitex. We came from... 10 clients in 2009 to around 232 clients in 2012. Then we start to open to all other countries in Latin America, Chile, Mexico, Colombia, Argentina. In 2016, we were the leaders, clear leaders in Latin America, uh, bigger, much bigger than SAP, Salesforce, Oracle, and uh, Magento back there before Adobe. We decided to go bigger, so I moved myself to the UK, to St. Albans, where close, close that you are. So Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> we just discovered that. <laughs> just 10 minutes away. <laughs> yes. So I moved myself to St. Albans, UK. Uh, we opened the European headquarters. Now we, are, we have presence in Europe, in also Asia, by Singapore office. We open also the US offices. We keep growing. Uh, we have a, a kind of a very specific prom, uh, uh, offer to the market. The market is coming to our to our position. So 
We offer uh, uh, what we call the fourth wave of digital commerce platforms. We have the first wave on-premise, the second wave, the SaaS. Basically, them uh, on-premise in the 2000s, SaaS in the 2010, boom with Salesforce. Then three years ago, we, we were seeing the, the booming of the headless. We do believe this uh, third wave of software for digital commerce will have more three to four years. And then we, we will see the, the ramping up of the fourth wave. That, that's where we are positioning the what we call the composable software. Gardner, the, the Institute Gardner, uh, it starts to, to talk about the composable software. And Vtex is uh, a kind of the representative of the composable software. So we are in a scenario that we can deliver complex scenarios of digital commerce in a very, very fast pace. I can give you an example, like we, we are dropping companies like Samsung, Motorola, Whirlpool in three months times, full integrated with ERP and all the legacy systems. So this is what makes us uh, a unique offer. And that's why uh, we are having a good momentum in the market. What do you think has been the sort of secret to having that long lasting success? Brandon, we, we decided in 2011 that actually we realized, we learned it from the Walmart project, that software cannot be just an automatization of process. Software should decide. Software should have knowledge inside. And normally, when a provider comes to a client, the provider asks the client, what do you want to do? Because uh, it used to be there for 30 years, the software industry, a kind of uh, the willingness of the business area and the IT area from the client guide what to do with the software. But actually the knowledge of digital commerce came too fast in the world that the talents cannot go inside the organizations in the level that the organization needs. So the lack of talents inside all the organizations in the world, and it's quite quite normal to expect that because it is an industry that there is no university. It is an industry that there is uh, no, no young one of 18 years old will dream, say, oh, I'm dreaming to work for a digital commerce. No, they just they, they dream to work for banking, for consulting, to be an entrepreneur, but not to work for a retailer, digital retailer. Obviously, that, that creates a lack of uh, today more than 10,000, I would say 20,000 jobs in the industry that we cannot fulfill, our clients cannot fulfill. So this reality is the same since 2011, and it is increasing the lack on a yearly basis. We still, in 2021, after COVID, on a massive digitalization, and there is no university with a course of four or five years that form digital commerce operators. So we are, we are far away from the maturity of this market. In this scenario, clients cannot hold or wait for process and talents to come. The only way for them to thrive is to access knowledge directly from the code. Like, uh, like we do with Uber as uh, individuals, we access knowledge. We are not accessing an app that calls a car. We access the knowledge of creating a network of trusted cars that without knowing the guy that will be in the other side of the, the wheel uh, we can trust our children. So what um, what makes us unique is that in 2011, we decided that we would not hire anymore an account executive or a BDR or, or a project manager. We decided back there that we only will hire 
digital commerce experts from the retailers, from the field. So our account executives, our CSMs, our solution architects, they, they came from managing operations in the digital commerce. And the digital commerce, it is an empirical science. It's like ride, ride a bicycle. You cannot teach how to ride a bicycle uh, by, by books. You know, it's going to take 10 years and, and it's still not working. But instead, if you put some uh, children, five years old, six years old, in a bicycle, in a ramp, and let them go, I can, I can bet that in one afternoon, they're going to they're gonna know how to ride a bicycle. So this is uh, the digital commerce industry. And we bet on that. That was the biggest bet of Vitex in terms of knowledge. And then I can combine with the second one in terms of product. We were fighting companies like SAP, Oracle, IBM, companies that are like um, hundreds of billion dollars valuation. And uh, we were like almost absolutely nothing. So we need to do something different to be unique. And since 2011, we are using an architecture that is a multi-tenant SaaS for all our clients. One, one unique set of code with a one unique set of infrastructure, really multi-tenant for all our clients. That gave us the ability of evolving the software in a fast pace. I will aggregate the third dimension that would make us unique. I don't know, but I guess Latin America is probably the worst case scenario in terms of complexity for retailers. A mid-sized retailer in Brazil, Mexico, Colombia, Argentina, if they do not operate with multiple fulfillments, multiple carriers, and I mean more than 30 carriers, if they do not operate with multiple payments, if they do not operate with multiple promotions, multiple landing pages, multiple web stores, if they do not operate with a complex scenario, sharing inventory through, through brands, through platforms, through stores, integrating sellers, selling through other sellers. If they do not make that, they would not survive. So this complexity create in the VTEC software something unique. We can allow today enterprises to go to market in a very complex scenarios, in an easy way of configuration and not in a complex way of a customization and big projects and big budgets. Uh, yes, when the, the, the scenario is quite simple, one distribution center, one carrier, one ERP, then we are regular competitive. But when you have like a global operation, multiple fulfillments, multiple language, multiple teams, management teams in four or five countries, and sharing the same data, the same platform, B2B, B2C, B2B, B2C, B2E in the same operation, then it's our playground. So I don't know, we are unique, but we are unique for this kind of demand. When you have a complex demand, we are unique. That's fascinating hearing that whole progression and, and journey of the business. I mean, it leads me on nicely because I mentioned, as I said, that you got to unicorn status in, in September last year. How would you say the perception of the company has changed after reaching that milestone? We have uh, 21 years of, of history. Until last year, Actually, until 2019, to be precise, we we just made $7 million on a first round. 
in our entire history. And from 2019 to 2021, we did, yes, $365 million in two rounds. We brought like uh, good investors to the table. I don't think it changed absolutely nothing inside the company. I do believe changed a little bit the minds of our partners and clients. A lot of them, they call me and say, what, how come? I, I didn't know. And actually, um, I would bring Russell and, and Brendan um, a situation here that probably for the ones that lives in the UK and in the United States or mature countries, uh, it is, it's going to be kind of uh, uh, weird to think how, how interest could be a Coke machine. When a country has a Coke machine, you know, Coke machine, where you put a coin and the Coke come back. So it's pretty, pretty simple, like obvious. We have these in the UK and the US for like decades. But actually, I live, I am 44 years old. Um, I live in the Brazil that we didn't have a Coke machine. And the reason we didn't have a Coke machine, the country didn't have a Coke machine, is because in the emerging market, if you do not have a stability on your currency, you cannot have a Coke machine because the hardware could not hold changes in the in the coin and changes in the coin, it is the inflation that pushed them forward. So the value of the goods becomes uh, outdated very fast. So you cannot have a Coke machine when you have countries with uh, uh, uncertainty in the currency. And when I, I am visiting a lot of emerging markets right now, and bunch of them have now Coke machines. So we are seeing a revolution in the world happening. And this is an underdog revolution. The emerging markets now have Coke machine. That means a lot. That means that it's a no inflation environment. With a no inflation environment, we have the interest in a, a kind of a sustainable level, 5%, 6%, 4%. With this kind of environment, then we have VCs, ventures, uh, uh, private equities, growth funds, because now everything's more predictable. That's maybe a good jumping off point for the next question, which really was, you're one of the few Brazilian unicorns out there. And um, we were kind of curious to understand from you, how does the Brazilian tech ecosystem compare to, say, your experience of Europe and, and North America? So today, to grow up, and create a company that reaches this kind of valuation, it is uh, much more what the valuation represents to the ecosystem of Latin America than the valuation itself. The valuation means that we have a more than 300 SIs from Mexico, Colombia, Argentina, all Latin American countries, from Hungary, from Romania, from Poland, from India, from Thailand, from Malaysia. We have hundreds of SIs. With uh, creative engineering, if you if you see the world, uh, Brendan, the creative engineering are uh, being made in five big regions: China, Russia, India, Eastern Europe, and and Latin America. So, if we can arbitrate the creative engineering of that regions, the emerging markets, and translate these into knowledge to the companies that is in the mature countries that to buy software in a very good price point, then we can also create a spinning wheel. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy because, you know, the retailers that are in the UK, right now they need a, a, a e-commerce project. They would need to pay like 5 million pounds or a, even a 700K pounds of implementation for the front end. 
And with the exactly same quality, you can implement these for 50K. So this is uh, the, old, the old way of making money, this arbitrage of assets. So it means a lot for a region to have not only VTX, but several other companies coming on that valuation. We didn't have for the last 15 years, none unicorn. And in the last two years, we have more than 10 right now. So it is a reformation and a revolution that's happening in not only in the emerging markets of, of uh, Latin America, but also all the, all the emerging markets in the world. They are creating hundreds of unicorns. Today, I would say easily, only Brazil has more than 80 unicorns to come for the next three years. We used to be the country of the iron or the country of the, the meal or, or the, the meat or the country of the soil. But now we are becoming a region of the digital commerce industry. As India, it is for call center. As uh, France, it is for food. Then we, we have a question on, on Italy as well. But there's a global reference for service and products. And then America is becoming one of the regions that can provide the world with a digital commerce service. I was just picking up on something that you mentioned where you were talking about over so many years you'd raised, say, 7 million or so, and, and now it's you know, another 300 plus. Has that changed you in the way that, that you deal with those in- investors? Because that's obviously such a massive difference. Have you had to change the way that, that you approach? Or does it not matter whether it's 7 or, or 300 million? You know, it is like life. Uh, you cannot act as you have a 15 years old, as you have 30, as you have 45 years old. Once you have kids, um, the, t- the the level of risk, the, the way you communicate, what you have as a value change all over the world with the learnings that you have. So for sure, we are changing a lot. Gerald and I, the C-level, the managers, all the team, they are changing on a daily basis. Two years ago, we were uh, 350 people. Now we are more than 1,500 all over the world. We have a 32 countries with active operation of VTEX. That's a big challenge. Until four years ago, we, we, can, we can manage like in two time zones, the entire operation of VTEX. And now we need to manage people in California and people in Singapore. How to, how to bring talents from digital commerce, how to attract uh, we used to call and we call internally how to crack the code of the sustainable attraction of those talents to the VTEX. Because when you go to the US and you want to hire a digital commerce expert and you make a LinkedIn um, announcement on, on, on a kind of a vacant slot, say, oh, we want an account executive, the slot do not match with the willingness of the digital commerce expert. So we create other ways of approaching talents, even from the university. So we build up a, a program that is called Tetrix. Tetrix, the challenge Tetrix. It is the biggest uh, university challenge in the world. Last year, we had 75,000 students competing for uh, one prize. That's uh, go uh, a trip all around the world, visiting the best digital commerce operations all over the world. And um, why we did that, why we sponsored that with other companies, but we create and we sponsor it because we want these uh, 75,000 students from engineering, from economics, from uh, business administration to understand that there is a massive industry waiting for them 
that pays well, that's a fun, that have a huge impact, and it is a future-proof career. And uh, this is not well communicated. And uh, we we decided to make the education as our main social impact. So we took the responsibility to to do this in a in a in a global scale. That's brilliant. That's very inspiring and very creative way to attract talent. And um, what was it that made you decide to change your headquarters to New York? We don't have this concept of a, a big global headquarters. We we do believe a global company is actually the sum of uh, local cultures. When you say like, oh, we want our company to have a same culture. Come on, culture is something that you're born with. It's in your people, in your home country. You will not have the same culture, but you, yes, you can have the same principles. Yes, you can you can follow the same north. So what we discover is say, if we have headquarters around the world, we will be more local. So we create one in Europe. We create one in Brazil. We create one in Latin America, uh, ex-Brazil. We create one in the United States. So in the United States, we have uh, three offices, one in Fort Lauderdale, one in Philly, and one in uh, New York. New York is the main one. But for example, we will create the first uh, co-working for digital commerce in Philly. And uh, there is no such of a headquarters operation in Brazil, in, in, in Vitex. Yes, the main two offices for sales and operations are in the UK, London, and uh, in New York. But the main the main product head, head office, it is in, in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. So we are very shallow in terms of hierarchy. Gerald and I, we are a field operators. We came from the field. Now we need to transform ourselves into a, a more a big role of a, a CEO management thing. And we are learning fast to do it. Uh, we have an internal joke, Gerald and I, that we might not be the most intelligent ones in the world. We might, we certainly are not the ones with the more uh, pocket, big pocket in the world. There's only one thing that we can do. That's and then we will defend and stand our ground there. We will be the fast company to react to feud insights. So we will keep the top of the career in Vitex. There is no management position. The top of the career and uh, all the all the ones that work for Vitex knows that is uh, the account executive one, the solution architect one, and the CSM one. This is how high you can reach your career in Vitex. And these are maybe lonely paths. So it is a, a different way to approach the, the hierarchic thing. Uh, it is not the manager that receives more salary. It is the one that aggregates more value in front of the client that receives more stock option and more salary. So that's the way we we build it. Uh, not by design. I, I can say, Russell, Brandon, uh, we didn't like, we did this because we need to survive. And to survive, you need to put your best team in front of your clients to guide them, not only to support them. This is the wrong word. Uh, software vendors that say, no, we're going to support you. This is what, not what clients want anymore. Clients want to be guided. Clients don't want to be supported anymore. So I do believe uh, we reacted fast than our competitors. That's why we, we have the recognition of IDC as uh, the, the leader in the world and uh, Ghana as a visionaire. So we do believe right now 
as COVID accelerated three, four, five years, the wave of digital commerce, I do believe the complexity will arrive to the UK, to the US, to Germany. And when complexity arrives to the table, then the wave will come to VTEC. So we are very optimistic for the future. On that thought, I mean, how has COVID actually impacted the business? Because I guess more, you know, we've seen a, a, a huge rise in e-commerce. So in that respect, I guess you guys have, have grown over the last 12, 15 months. I'm going to explain you the way I explain my wife. Sabrina asking me, obviously, in the middle of COVID and say, why you are so worried about VTEX? Why, why you are working so much? And uh, I explain, say, look, Sabrina, imagine that we need, we have the two kids, Bento and Maria. And um, they were learning how to, to how to ride a bike, and now we are we are doing the like you know the what every parents do like buy the the helmets and the protections and do the basic lessons with the the small wheels and pace to pace like daily basis evolution. And then I I was with her in the UK during the quarantine, and um, I was with the kids in the streets trying to get them out of the house. And um, we, I was teaching them, and I, I have an idea to show Sabrina. Say, okay, this is the best way, so you can learn what is happening in the world right now. I put them in the ramp, and I took the helmet and took all the protections, and I let them go. And Sabrina say, scream, start screaming on me. Say, what are you doing? Say, this is what COVID did with all the retailers in the world. They need to learn not anymore in months or years, but they need to learn in weeks what to do. And yes, they will fall. Yes, they will have some bleeding and some scratches, but at the end of the day, they will learn and this will change the retailer uh, retailer environment all over the world. That, that's what happened. Uh, all the companies with the very pragmatic uh, approach on work charts, uh, legacy owners, family-owned business with uh, uh, board meetings uh, every quarter, during COVID, board meetings was made like every week. And uh, changes in the management, in the way you, you understand what means omni-channel, how you manage your merchandising, the way that how you manage supply chain, that was a big thing during COVID. So the industry, the brand manufacturers and retailers, they evolve clearly five to 10 years in their mindset, how to approach the digital. And the results will come for the next years. Uh, we are seeing these all over. So we were impacted by a huge wave of demand. The volume came to the roof. And we are very proud that we were there for our clients. Clients that from absolutely nothing need to change 500 physical stores. Clients, uh, as for example, a pharma in Colombia that we receive a call from the government of Colombia say, please put the farm alive as soon as you can, because we, the country needs them live. And we were there. We put them live in three weeks time, full integrated. So I am I'm very proud of what we did in the last one year and a half. I do believe if it was not the e-commerce industry, the world would face COVID in a different perspective. If sure. COVID had, had happened 20 years ago, the outcome would be completely different. The thing that I'm very proud of is the logistics. You know, us as a consumers, retailers and brands always complain against the logistic team, the logistic companies, the carriers, 
but actually they made their show. They show off what they can do during the COVID. They hold the world economy in their hands without all the risk that is being in the streets delivery. So uh, I'm a fan of the, the logistic ecosystem that were created in the world. And um, the world should recognize what they did. And uh, I, I think we will see like 10, 15 years of uh, big impact in the digital economy because of COVID. Obviously, protecting and regarding all the losses that we have on, on, a, on a human perspective. But in terms of a digital economy, COVID was, uh, was a catalyst. So, so what about now that you know, hopefully we're, we're coming through the other side of it. What, what would you say retailers need to look out for? Is there one or two trends that, that you're focusing on? Yes, uh, I do believe the conversational commerce will hit really, really heavily. So uh, countries like Brazil, one of the biggest countries for WhatsApp in the world, WeChat, all the conversational platforms are evolving and will take a more predominant role in the navigation. So the browser will lose a little bit the strength. The conversation will come up. And then it's a funny thing. United States, for example, massive market. They just have one message platform. That's iMessage, right? They do not use WhatsApp. They do not use WeChat. They, the country has not been prepared for this new wave. So we're going to see something interesting. That's uh, countries from East part of the world will show the way of what's going to be the next waves of technology. So live commerce, it's booming in, in Asia. Now it's starting to come to Europe, to the UK, to Latin America, and to the United States. Conversational commerce, if you're going to buy from uh, through WhatsApp, it's going to be a big wave. So this is where the companies should be prepared to, because this is the real thing. This is the real omnichannel. So we just bought a company uh, we announced it two days ago called SwitchShare.com. That's a company that does a very specific app. They link the website to a WhatsApp of the salespeople inside your physical stores. So it's obvious, right? People are willing to buy and you have uh, salespeople waiting clients to come. Just link them. And uh, the, that company does this in a very in a very smart way. So we bought them and now it's live for all our clients. So the role we act as in Vitex is uh, to make our clients future-proof. We take the responsibility to guide our clients in the in this uh, future-proof category. And sometimes they are not able to do it by themselves because they do not have access to information. They do not have uh, even the talents to access this information. So uh, we do believe it's our bird and uh, our owner to guide them in these. Um, it's a, it's a new new oceans to come, right? So these are the two big trends that I'm seeing. We are uh, also understanding that global trade with a unique layer of inventory it is a big trend. So you see brands, I don't know, like CNA. So why CNA should have uh, one inventory per each country that they act. Once you go to Amazon UK and you see a big stake of Amazon UK fashion coming from and delivering from China, delivering from Taiwan, delivering from Bangladesh. So the global trade, it is a reality and some countries just didn't realize it yet. So uh, this, is a, this is not a trend. This is a reality, but a reality that is not in the table in, uh, in the retailers. Uh, so, you know, 
if digital commerce would be a human being, we would be born in right now. Brilliant. It sounds like you've got so much on the horizon that you're really engaged with. I guess a, a key part of these discussions, Mariana, is talking to unicorn leaders and getting their perspective on issues around communications and culture. And it sounds like this is something that you've kind of had to address a lot, um, you know, given your global team. So it'd be interesting just to get your perspective on on what's been your approach to building awareness and differentiating yourself in the world as, as VTAX? One of the things that we did and uh, it's generating results is uh, we create a playbook of attracting and evolving talents to the company. And on that playbook, although we hire digital commerce experts, the first phase, it is only in peer soft skills. So we have a, an attribute that we call the go-to person. Today, if you do not communicate as well as you think, probably you will not be uh, as efficient as you can be. So we need to find people. And, and sometimes the best way of communication is to be a committed listener, right? So integrity, to clean your mind, to really understand the perspective of the other and not try to protect yourself. We call these the... Uh, the the power of vulnerability. Normally, when uh, you hire people from big companies, even the big techs, they come with a kind of uh, uh, layers of protection. I know, I did. This doesn't mean absolutely nothing, right? What you did in your past is expressing yourself. So the past actually doesn't matter. It's your expression in the daily basis that will show what you did, not your your accomplishment in the past. So. Uh, the way of communicate with the precision, it is the secret of any any company in the digital commerce because uh, you, we need to have in the same table, 22 years old, incredible developers with a 40 years old merchandisers, marketeers, and they should talk the same language. You are from the industry brand and you know how hard it is to put them to talk in a very high performance environment. We have a group in Vitex that works directly to the C-level that only takes care of the conversation level of the company. We call that group a conversation holders. So the, it is very important to us once we grow with a multicultural environment to have the same level of conversation. And uh, I do believe uh, we are one of the standards in the world right now on that. And uh, we are very proud of it. And what, what about internal communications, Mariano, in terms of like, because obviously, you know, you talked just before about how, how much the company has grown. So you've now got people in all different territories. I'm guessing people have been working at, at home and remotely as well. So, so how are you addressing communicating with the team and keeping the culture of, of, of the company at the same time? Because we we have talked to a lot of leaders over the last year who have been onboarding new employees who haven't met their colleagues, haven't been to an office, yet a culture of the company, is, as you mentioned earlier, is, is still such a, a key part. But if they're not in touch with people, that's quite you know, hard to achieve, isn't it? So how, how are you managing that whole internal comms process? Yeah, so um, we do not have a big human resource department. Uh, we split the responsibility of the human resource to all the leaders in the company because uh, evolving people it is a daily job. It is like to be math-oriented or to be tech-oriented. 
to manage people and, and to know how to guide your team. It's a daily, daily job of, of any leader. So we have our rituals, right? We have Demo Fridays where the company joined together every Friday. We have the all hands. Uh, during the COVID, I made myself available on an open channel every day for 30 minutes for any employee in the world for every single day for one year and two months. Now we are doing weekly basis because COVID in some countries are a little bit smoother. Now we have the chance to do once a week. But until three months ago, we did, I did personally an open channel with all the employees 30 minutes a day in at 5 p.m. Brazil time. You know, because sometimes people are alone. Sometimes people are desperate. Sometimes people just need a word from someone. And uh, it was uh, it was a transformational thing for me to understand what is the role of a leader. Sometimes it's not only guide revenue, gross margin. Sometimes it's, you need to just be there for your team. And uh, from intern, any intern can just be in a 30 minutes meeting with me until today in the company. People use this. Uh, yesterday, uh, I received a lady that I don't know her. Uh, Maria is her name. So Maria, uh, you are live in the UK right now. You're a case. She just been uh, 30 minutes in my calendar. I saw it. I asked uh, Lucila. Uh, Lucila works on the chief of staff team. And uh, I said, Lucila, who, who is Maria? And, uh, and Lucila said, oh, Maria is an intern that just joined VTEX. And I said, okay, fine. So I was there for her. And people say, oh, but you, you have a, a more important things to do because you are the CEO of the company. And say, no, I don't. If I do not be there for the team to guide them, we will not spread the message. So it is a physical effort to spend time with your team, with the ones that are joining your team. So I do probably 50% of all the interviews on the final interviews of all the employees of the growth area of Vitex. Still today, it's a time-consuming, yes, it is a, a big time-consuming. But that's how you keep culture. Accessing from the top name to the bottom name, a kind of a same level. This uh, accessibility, and they can they can learn from the founder what to expect in the in the days that they will be with with Vitex. So there is no other word than hard work to keep communication uh, happening. We have a lot of rituals. Uh, we do communicate with a lot of playbooks. We do write a lot of letters to each other. Uh, when we express yourself by letters, there's no interpretation. You can create the context and you can explain yourself. Sometimes when you communicate verbally, the other ones are in a different context with a different crisis and uh, they are not so, uh, the integrity is not 100% there. And this miscommunication, it's always uh, a mess up, right? I, I have an internal statement that I said, I say always that, Two intelligent guys, unrelated from culture, whatever, two intelligent people, if they have uh, the right dimensions in timing and the category that they are having the discussion, they will agree. So sometimes it is just a matter of finding the right dimensions to discuss. Because sometimes you do, you do not agree with that tactics for the next 30 days, but you do agree for the next five years. One part is uh, talking about five years and you are talking about 30 days and you just don't stop to say what dimension we are discussing. And when you stop and, and ask the dimensions, a lot of things becomes clear. 
there's a consulting group called Vanto Group. Olga Lofred is the, the CEO of Vanto Group. She was the one that taught Vitex this level of conversation. So um, I do believe now we are ready for uh, this chaotic environment and to control the chaos, you will lose. Every single company that bets on, oh, I'm going to now control the chaos, they will lose. It's impossible. And by the way, chaotic environment are very productive. So it's better to you to create a layer to the chaos to organize itself than to try to control it. That, that's how we act in Vitex. There's some brilliant stuff that you just shared there. That that was, uh, and I love the story of of Maria. That's that's absolutely great. Um, and, and what about as an external spokesperson? Your your role for that is that is that something that you enjoy? So we do a lot of uh, public speeches. We we own uh, our own uh, institute of education in Cambridge inside Churchill College. We probably have like more than a hundred events uh, all over the world that we sponsor or we are the owners. This is a public communication. So when you, we take public communication in the table, we do not only talk to investors. We talk to partners. We talk to clients. Last week, I was in uh, Austin talking to an SI. What, what would be the future of an SI? I didn't speak about Vitex. I was there to tell them what is my vision for the next 5, 10 years of uh, the SI industry. And if we agree on that, then we can be partner. So public communication is something that we train and we guide the kind of the C-level and uh, high-level management of Vitex. They are all ready to talk in behalf of the company to attract talents, to guide our partners, to guide our clients. And yes, Vitex is becoming big enough. And yes, we do have a PR, central PR area that now is under uh, Asta Malik, uh, is an executive that is uh, the, the first woman in the C-level of Vitex. We are very proud of it. Asta is joining uh, from uh, five years in Zendesk. So she just joined one month ago, uh, not 15 days ago. And um, she will be running as a COO of Growth. So she will be one of the ones to control this uh, communication to the to the exterior of Vitex. Thinking on staying with the subject of communication, Mariana, what's been the kind of the biggest communication challenge you've faced along the Vitex journey and, and how did you overcome it? So diversity is a big challenge on communication. It's a big topic all over, right? And uh, if you over-communicate, you will suffer. If you, if you under-communicate, you will suffer as a company. So what's the right level of communication on, on that? I was discussing with uh, one marketing guy from one specific country that we did uh, an amazing thing. We we hire uh, for one specific country, we hire for three months only women. So we stop it all the process with a man and we just follow with the woman. Obviously, the field was really like, say, oh, you are blocking us to evolve and we say, no, there's some things that are more important than evolution. And uh, the messaging and curation of what you stand for, it's very important. So we did that. And then come the, the challenge. Should we go public and say that? Or should, should we not? It was a big challenge. Because if you are proud of promoting diversity, 
maybe it's not the right way to approach it. Maybe you just you just commit yourself to do it without the the willingness or, or without the the, the proudness of uh, announcing it. In the other way, if you do, you're going to inspire other companies to do it. So uh, external communication, it is a, a big thing. So we did this uh, two years ago. We wrote a piece of document, the condition of satisfaction, what we will not open hand to achieve avenue or, or, or margin, what we will not open hand even to achieve that. I say, no, this is okay. We will lose revenue, but we will not open hand of these principles. So we wrote a piece that to today is a three, four pages that all in all team of VTEX in the world have this piece as their handbook that shows the outcomes, the milestones, not in the old language of a vision and mission. No, no, it's more pragmatic. What's the outcome that we will fight for? This is it. Uh, are you in the north of that outcome? If you are not, something's wrong. So I struggle with uh, communication failure as well. I remember to hire a vice president of a big retailer to be one of our success manager in Brazil. And she was so afraid that she was not tech uh, oriented. And I told her, say, look, uh, 99% of the things that you're going to do for the next six months will fail. And she said, why did you hire me? And I say, because we'll fail. And I know that you are a fast learner. And I'm fully convinced that in one year, you will become a giant because you learn to fail. And she said back there, I say, you are crazy, but I will go to VTEX. She came. She spent six months. My God, it was terrible. Then she started to catch up. And then she started to guide IT departments of a big retailers that she thought was never possible before. And it's amazing how you can really put yourself at risk as a company to create great individuals. They will be loyal to you. They will be passionate to your cause. And that's how you create a company. That's really inspiring. We've got a couple more questions left. We've, we've obviously spoken a lot about VTEX, but we understand that there's quite a few interesting things you're involved in outside of VTEX. The Digital Transformation course at EICOM, the European Institute of E-Commerce Management at the MOLA Center in Cambridge University, you, you touched on that, I think. Could you, could you tell us a little bit more about, about those? So one thing that we, we realized that we need to engage uh, would be how to transfer knowledge and not how to sell knowledge. So the retailers all over the world, they want to access knowledge and the consulting companies are selling knowledge by a very expensive price, not only in, in money, but pricing time. They sell knowledge through like one, two years project. This is not enough. This is not sufficient to allow them to survive. So we decided to create, when I arrived in the UK in 2016, I went to Cambridge to look for uh, good courses to indicate for my partners and to indicate to my, my clients. I didn't find, I didn't find in all the in other big uh, universities in the world. The courses were made by professors, not by field operators. Then it has a big difference, you know? As it is an empirical science, you should bring people from the ground to be there. So I call some professors that I know they are good. And what I mean about professors, Yan Jin Dao, the chief editor of um, uh, Internet Retailing, 
the Zia Daniel, the chief content uh, manager, the chief content officer for Shop Talk, now in Insider. Brian McBride, the former CEO for Amazon in the UK. I call those guys and say, look, I will invite a lot of executives to boot in the Cambridge School, and uh, I'm inviting you to teach what's the field teaching you. They accepted promptly. So we bring those guys from all over, Latin America, Asia, UK, United States, put them there to transfer the knowledge to their students. And the, the impact and the results were unbelievable. The institute is called ACON, E-I-C-O-M dot org. The rule that I put there is uh, a class can be as max as 20 people and a country can have only three people max. So we force diversity, cultural diversity, and we have people from Colombia. We have people, a lady from South Arabia. So this is uh, this is the diversity, the exchange of knowledge through the high level. And I do believe we can create a layer of a very, very pragmatic and field-oriented leaders that can come back to their companies and really make transformation. And uh, this is a, uh, it is nothing related to Vitex. If we put better leaders and we do believe Vitex has a good product, they will naturally find us. But this is the way we can impact the world by education. It, it's already five years in the road. Acon launched the certification. Do you know the certification for financial world called CFA? Very famous. Now Acon launched a, a certification for the digital commerce world. You can go and it's the first and only certification for global digital commerce operators. So you're going to be tested on PL, on marketing, on logistics, on merchandising. And the approval rates, not surprisingly, it's under 10%. It's interesting. So we do believe we can do, we can make a difference in the educational arena. We have several projects on that, events or, or companies. Uh, one of the one that I'm most proudly, it calls Women in Digital. It is a program specific to train women for the digital commerce industry. So I believe uh, all the other companies should do the same because, you know, the world is running faster than ever. And uh, the government and the public sector of education cannot follow the velocity. So we need to help them. We need to be inside the universities, the, the, the basic elementary school. We need to help them to bring the digital as a native thing. Just one other thing, because and, and I don't know how you find the time for, for all this, but um, I also understand you, you've got quite a bit of a, an interest in, in the digital commerce in Latin America as well. So that's how everything started. A guy called Marcos Pueredon, that's uh, VP of Vitex um, and uh, shareholder of Vitex as well. He started this institute in Latin America and this institute become like huge. Now controlling all the events, uh, joining uh, high level, joining uh, entrance level analysts into a knowledge dinners, knowledge breakfast events, fashion events or B2B events. So the Institute now, it is a very uh, central piece of the content for Latin America. And we are very proud of uh, supporting them financially. Uh, other companies, even our competitors, SAP, Adobe, Oracle, they are also supporting the Institute. So uh, we are very proud of uh, having these, uh, you know, uh, Russell, you need to have a, a culture of give back. If you don't, you are not ready to the next wave of demanding of uh, 
leaders in the world. And this, this culture of give back, we decided in Vitex to put all our effort in the education because it is the instrument that we do believe can make a difference. So the Institute, I do myself at least one or two weeks a year, full-time dedication to be in the stage, to talking to small audiences in the interior of Peru. I went to Costa Rica, it's a very small country, to talk about what to do, what the retailers should do. We need to make the knowledge available. If we want the digital to become huge, and I mean huge, it is a 70% penetration, not 12 as we have right now. Some countries we have 18, some countries we still have five. The average, I would guess, 12. 12 is absolutely nothing. When this industry arrives in a 30, 40, 40% level, then the party will start it. So until there, we should put all our effort to transform countries from bottom up, means from inside the university, giving them, for example, the syllabus for their MBA courses, what to teach, how to hire professors, how to train in professors, how to convince executives to be a professors. This is our role. We do believe not only my team, but my partners, my clients, they expect this from us. Mariano, uh, that's probably a, a great place to leave it because your, your, your passion for this whole industry is, is unbelievable and it comes through so, so well. So uh, we've been chatting for an hour. I know you've got to go off to another meeting, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to end it there. But Honestly, thank you so, so much for joining us. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure listening to, to you. So um, No, it was an honor. And congrats, Brandon, uh, Russo. Uh, uh, this space that you have is only fulfilling what we are talking, right? To bring knowledge and translated knowledge in a very simple way, in a simple format. So I'm very proud to be here. Thank you very much. Wow. Brendan, that that was amazing. I mean, he, he was so passionate about everything that, that he was talking about. Yeah, you know, Mariano was just, yeah, incredibly passionate about his business, but also I think the kind of digital commerce industry in general. I mean, I think the things that I really took away from that, which I kind of found as being very compelling were, you know, we talk a lot about purpose in, in kind of the world of business and communications. And you can, and we also talk about a lot about how, there is kind of like shared value in, in in having purpose because it's not only a good for your business, but it's also good for kind of the communities that you operate in. And I thought the, the real laser focus on education and the development and nurturing of, of the next generation of talent was kind of um, something that um, came through very strongly and, and um, you know, was kind of very inspiring and made a lot of sense as both kind of in terms of giving something back to the world, but also in terms of kind of really propelling their company forward. And then from a communication standpoint, I think there were kind of lots of really interesting things that uh, Mariana uh, talked about. But I thought one thing that really got my ears pricked up was when he talked about how that, you know, chaos creates a very creative environment and that, you know, companies should not try to control chaos, but instead try and put structures around it and harness it in order to kind of drive the greatest benefit for the company. So that was something that that really stood out for me. 
Excellent. Uh, yeah, good summary. And picked up on, on some excellent points. Um, that's actually it for this episode. So if you want to find out more about VTEX, um, then their website is simply vtex.com. Uh, we'd love to hear your comments on today's chat. You can share them on our Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram or Twitter feeds um, or in the comments of the YouTube version of this podcast. And those are all linked from the top of the website at csweetpodcast.com, uh, where you'll also find all our previous shows and supporting show notes, plus links to where you can subscribe or follow us for automatic downloads of each episode via the likes of Spotify and Apple. And if you've liked what you've heard, please do give us a positive rating and review. Um, we're, of course, available on all podcast apps. Just search for the C-Suite podcast and hit follow or subscribe. And don't forget, you can also subscribe to the Without Borders podcast from our partners at Taito. All the details for that are on their website. So just head to taitopr.com and click on the podcast link in the top nav bar. If you are a unicorn leader yourself and you'd like to be part of this series, please do get in touch via the contact form on the website at csweetpodcast.com. Uh, plus, of course, anyone can get in touch with us too with any feedback that you have. And finally, um, if you want to reach me, you can do that via Twitter using at Russ Goldsmith or you can find me on LinkedIn. But for now, thanks for listening and goodbye.